Welcome to 340B Insight from 340B Health. Hello from Washington, D.C., and welcome back to 340B Insight, the podcast about the 340B drug pricing program. I'm David Glendening with 340B Health. This episode is sponsored by OmniCell 340B. Leveraging the highest claims qualification standard in the industry, OmniCell 340B helps covered entities capture eligible mixed-use, specialty, mail-order, and contract pharmacy savings from even the most complex workflows. Its dedicated client teams focus on delivering an exceptional service experience while advocating for its clients in support of the 340B program. Our guest today is Brian Jackson, Chief Administrative Officer at Jefferson Regional Medical Center in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. As many 340B hospitals prepared to meet virtually with their members of Congress later this week, we spoke with Brian about his experiences and advice on advocating for 340B to policymakers and their staff. But before we go to that interview, let's take a minute to cover some of the latest news about 340B. June was an exceptionally busy month for 340B-related developments. Since we had our president and CEO, Maureen Testoni, on the show last episode to discuss the 340B contract pharmacy dispute, a seventh drug company has announced that it will stop offering discounted pricing through contract pharmacy arrangements. That company is Boehringer Ingelheim, which sent a notice to covered entities that it will cut off this pricing starting August 1st. This announcement from a major global drug company is significant because it is the first time a drug maker has taken this step after the Department of Health and Human Services sent enforcement letters in May stating that this type of action violates the law. Five drug companies continue to fight those enforcement actions in federal courts. In the Eli Lilly lawsuit, government attorneys recently filed a brief citing a patient care story that will be familiar to listeners of this podcast. The filing references Unity Point Health Methodist in Peoria, Illinois, which had to switch many of its diabetic patients to lower-quality insulin treatments after it lost access to discounted pricing through its on-campus contract pharmacy. HHS notes that this example highlights the great harm to patients that these drug companies are causing through their pricing behavior. If you missed our discussion about this with Unity Point nurse practitioner Ann Webster, please be sure to listen to episode 27 to hear her compelling story. And 340B will be on the docket in the highest court in the land sometime after the start of October. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to take up a lawsuit filed by three national associations and three individual 340B hospitals over Medicare payment cuts to many 340B hospitals that have been in place since 2018. The case involves whether HHS has the authority to reduce pay rates for 340B hospitals while continuing to pay full rates to non-340B hospitals. A decision on that matter could come out sometime in 2022. For more information about all these developments, check out the show notes for this episode. now for our feature interview with Brian Jackson. Brian has significant experience and success advocating for 340B, his hospital, and its patients 
with federal and state lawmakers. We know those of you contemplating 340B advocacy activities of your own will find value and inspiration in what he has to say about that important work. Miles Goldman recently sat down with Brian. Here's that conversation. Thank you, David. I'm joined by Brian Jackson, the Chief Administrative Officer at Jefferson Regional Medical Center. Brian, I've spoken with you at a number of our recent Hill Days, and so I'm excited to hear your insights about preparing for and participating in advocacy to policymakers and their staff. Welcome to 340B Insight. It's my pleasure, Miles. Let's start just really from the beginning. Why do you spend some of your time advocating for 340B? I work for a single independent community-based hospital that is located in southeast Arkansas. So we are in a region and the community we serve of 11 counties has a lot of socioeconomic challenges. I would say that our community of about 200,000 people is the textbook example for uh, who 340B is intended to help. And and so uh, whether it's 340B or other advocacy topics, I feel pretty passionate about doing anything I can to to help support our community and their healthcare needs. How much time would you say you spend on advocacy? It varies. There are some times when we're getting ready for a visit to uh, Washington, D.C. Or, or here more recently for virtual visits that, you know, I'll spend, um, you know, maybe four or five hours in a week preparing. But then there are other times in in the year when uh, it's not really, there's just not much going on. And, and so not really much time at all. Well, I think that's good for our listeners to know, because obviously many of them are are not, you know, are not primarily focused on advocacy in their day-to-day job. What skills do you think are most important when you're working on advocacy? I think the the most important skill is being efficient with your communication. Uh, a lot of people would refer to it as having that good elevator speech. Our congressional elected officials are very busy, a lot of meetings, a lot of committee sessions, and oftentimes you're catching them between a couple of meetings. And while you may be booked for 30 minutes, you may only get 10 or 15. And so you want to be prepared with the message you want to deliver to to be able to get it in in that short period of time. And and then if they have more time, that's great. And you can answer questions or, or exchange uh, in some good dialogue. But you really want to be able to uh, efficiently deliver your message in case that's all the time they have. You've been a consistent advocate for 340B for several years now. What are the current 340B issues you're raising with your lawmakers? We recently brought to their attention the the concern that the the pandemic could create a situation for some hospitals that due to shifts in payer mix, it may result in a hospital seeing their dish percentage drop below the threshold and 
because of a pandemic, they may lose their 340B status. And so we've been uh, talking with our delegation about a bill to address that specific concern. Beyond that, we've been talking to them about the actions over the last year or so of a number of the pharmaceutical manufacturers specifically targeted at contract pharmacies and trying to limit our ability to use contract pharmacies in our delivery of 340B drugs. One of the reasons I'm excited to have you on is we've been hearing a lot of great news out of Arkansas in recent months. What are some of the accomplishments you'd point to for you and your fellow Arkansas advocates? I would say we're pleased with the support that we are getting from all of our our delegation, both of our senators and all four of our our congressmen. They have all gotten behind the the DISH bill that I, I mentioned a little earlier. And in particular, Senator Bozeman has been a, a champion of 340B over the last several years. At the state level, we're very pleased with our state legislature. Just recently, they passed a law and the governor has signed uh, the law that makes the particular activity that the pharmaceutical manufacturers have engaged in illegal. And so we appreciate the support at the state level, and uh, we will we'll be seeing where we go with that new law. But it also indicates that our state legislature recognizes the positive impact that the 340B program has on our entire state. And that that law you're referring to in Arkansas, that's referring to contract pharmacies, right? Right. As I understand it, it it basically makes it illegal to exclude a, a transaction with a contract pharmacy if that same transaction would be legal directly with the hospital and its pharmacy. You know, we've been seeing from from the members of the delegation, as, as you referenced, you know, press releases and tweets supporting 340B. And, you know, given that 340B, as we both know, is and our listeners, I'm sure know, is more of a niche issue to the general public. You know, that's not something we see every day. Right. And I think that is the result of um, myself and, and others here in Arkansas who have continued to follow up several times a year with uh, the members of our delegation to keep it on their mind and and on the mind of their their staff who focus on healthcare issues. And uh, and their press releases, their tweets indicate that we're getting that message across and it's sinking in and taking hold. So would you say that's been the, uh, the secret to your success and the other advocates in Arkansas? I think part of the the secret to our success is just that repeated contact and the relationships that you start to build over a period of time, in particular at the staff level, because that is who you're frequently talking with much more often than the senator or the congressman. And when they know you and you know them, they're aware generally of of the types of issues that you're going to be bringing forth 
path to them, it, it's very helpful. It, it makes the conversation move along uh, easier. And it's just building some relationships like, for example, in Congressman uh, Crawford's office, who represents the first district in Arkansas, um, his health care assistant, she's been in that role for a number of years now. I've talked with her a number of times, but we we discovered pretty early on that we uh, we graduated from the same college. And so we we have some common background that gave us a starting point to to build a relationship you know, beyond just the the issues of of three forty b or health care. What are some of the other challenges you have experienced more broadly in speaking to lawmakers about three forty b? To be honest, with our delegation, I can't say that I've really had tough questions about three forty b. And I would say the primary reason is because the program is not funded with federal dollars. That's usually the the big hurdle that you encounter on some other healthcare topics is, you know, how much is it going to cost? Who's going to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it? And fortunately with 340B, we get to move on past that pretty quickly because it is the discounts from the from the pharmaceutical manufacturers and in the grand scheme of of their financial picture, it's a pretty small amount of money to them. How does understanding the perspective of the policymakers you're meeting with can help navigate some more maybe trickier questions or, or, or conversations? Well, I would say this is probably true of pretty much all members of Congress and, and senators is they are interested in helping their constituents. And anytime they they can do something that they can report back as a positive for uh, folks who elected them, that's a win for them. And that's exactly what the 340B program is all about. Like I said, we're in a in a part of Arkansas that is is very challenged uh, economically. And so the 340B program and the resources that it brings to uh, to our hospital allow us to provide low-cost insulin for diabetics, which is a prevalent chronic disease in, in our region. And it allows us to help provide low-cost or, or no-cost discharge medications to help patients once they've gone home to continue their treatment and help improve their health while avoiding a readmission back to the hospital, which can be costly and and certainly is not in the best interest of the patient. You bring up the ways your hospital uses its 340B savings makes me think of impact profiles. We hear from many of our hospital members that they use their impact profile in these meetings with policymakers. So tell us more about the impact profile and why it's so important for advocacy. 
Well, the impact profile is something that you can leave behind. And those pieces of information are always good because your meetings are often pretty short. And whether it's the congressman or the senator or it's their staff, by the end of that day, they've they've heard a number of presentations and had conversations on on a wide variety of, of subjects. And so having that impact profile that they can refer back to and see what kind of impact the 340B program is having in their community that they represent and the types of people that it's helping, that just reminds them of, you know, the importance of this program and how it benefits their constituents. You're in leadership at your hospital, and I wanted to hear your perspective on this topic. How can 340B professionals work with their leadership and government relations team to raise the profile of 340B within the hospital and ultimately enhance advocacy efforts? At our organization, I'm involved in a number of advocacy uh, efforts beyond 340B, whether it's at the federal level uh, or at the state level. And so while that's certainly not a big part of my job, I'm not a full-time government relations person, we, we recognize at the senior leadership level the importance in today's healthcare world of maintaining these relationships with our elected officials because of the many topics, the many uh, different things that are going on, whether it's with Medicare and Medicaid and CMS or at the state level when states are looking at Medicaid funding or the, the expansion that came out of the Affordable Care Act. Our experience has been that we've learned that the 340B program is right up there in impact with many of these other initiatives. And so for the, the pharmacists and the, um, you know, the pharmacy directors uh, who, who may be um, the, the 340B program lead advocate in their organization, um, you know, I, I would certainly encourage them use the impact profile that we we just talked about to to make sure that their hospital uh, and organization senior leadership understands uh, the importance and 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 can work to get them involved in uh, in these advocacy efforts. It it's important that. Our, our elected officials not only hear from, um, in, in this case, the, you know, the pharmacy leadership, but, but from that senior leadership of the organization. And because that communicates uh, how important the program is to the overall organization, not just uh, necessarily one, one area or one department. That's all really great advice, Brian. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. It's been really interesting to start really diving in deeper to how advocacy works and, and why it's so important in our efforts to protect 340B. I'm happy to do it. And and we are always uh, looking for, for more organizations, more hospitals to, to join us. Uh, in our advocacy efforts. Uh, it, it's important that all uh, members of Congress and all the senators hear from, from uh, organizations in their respective states 
that they understand how uh, how important this program is to uh, the financial health of the organization, how it uh, provides um, critical resources to the communities that that they serve, and uh, and and that it, it doesn't cost a, a tax dollar. That it's it's funded by um, by the discounts from the manufacturers. And uh, usually that combination is a winning message. Our thanks again to Brian Jackson for taking the time to discuss the crucial work of advocacy on behalf of the 340B program and the patients in need who depend on it. We applaud Jefferson Regional Medical Center for its success in reaching out to lawmakers and educating them on the need to protect 340B. Advocacy will be one of many 340B-related topics that will be covered at the upcoming 340B Coalition Summer Conference, which starts July 20th. For those of you attending the conference, be sure to check out the 340B Insight booth in the virtual exhibit hall. Our next episode will be coming to you from the conference, so we look forward to connecting with you there. If you have not registered yet, there is still time to do so using the link in the show notes. In the meantime... We welcome your questions, episode ideas, and feedback. You can email us at podcast at 340bhealth.org. We will be back in a few weeks. As always, thanks for listening and be well. Thanks for listening to 340B Insight. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, visit our website at 340bpodcast.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at 340B Health and submit a question or idea to the show by emailing us at podcast at 340bhealth.org.